Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod and over on Facebook. Give the page over there a like as well. And by now, by golly, you need to be over and subscribe to the Thundercast YouTube channel. There's a lot about to be going on over in that area. That's going to be YouTube exclusive stuff. Also, uh, if you'll note, we've been trying to make an effort to send people over there with the ticket giveaways, uh, trying to help you get over there to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss what's coming up really, really soon over there. Look, it has been a massively busy week. Saturday in particular was super busy, and we're going to talk about all of that uh, when we get to Around the Herd. There has been a lot of cool stories that have gone on this week. Uh, I don't know that we'll be able to to limit it to just five things because so much cool stuff has gone on and just some other things of note that we have to talk about. So uh, we've got some championships going on. We've got some seasons getting cranked up. We've got all of it. Uh, Records are falling yet again. This is good stuff. So we need to get into all of this stuff. But right now, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month, but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. KD, uh, those of uh, our watchers over on YouTube will notice that I am wearing the Laser Oliver PLLC, which is those guys at 304carwreck.com. I'm wearing their T-shirt that they just came out with. Uh, they wanted it to be green and white as close as uh, to our Kelly green. You know, it's hard to get Kelly from one one place to another. Uh, which we're going to have a little bit to talk about in our five things about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, just wanted to give everyone a another reason to go over to the YouTube. Not only that you'll see some of the stuff that we're wearing from sometimes and this little old hashtag right up here <laughs> that you cannot read because it's a little too small. And I just wanted to let everybody know that that says hashtag TC chalkboard. And we're going to be using that hashtag for probably the next couple of months, I would say, probably right around two months. And uh, there's going to be a little bit of a mystery to figure out with it. And we're going to have some clues up here on this chalkboard and uh, maybe out on social media as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyone that does figure it out beforehand and DMs us, we will have a good prize for them. Yeah, it's uh, all in... Good fun, obviously. Good fun. Uh, but if you're only listening to the show audio, now might be a good time to start perusing over to YouTube so you can keep track of what the chalkboard is saying. And also, I mean, you can listen to, you know, you don't have to watch the video. You can play the YouTube 
video through your radio and listen audio just like as if it were on Spotify or something. But still, any way you want to consume it, we appreciate it. But uh, I just don't think you want to uh, get out of the habit and definitely want to get into the habit of uh, going to the YouTube channel. And worst case scenario, if you just cannot put the YouTube on and you still want to listen to the audio, you can still play along by following along with that hashtag. Sure. Yeah. If you think you've missed something that's been a while, just all you got, you know how Twitter works. All you got to do is search the hashtag, anything that comes up uh, or you'll get everything that has used that hashtag. So Twitter uh, and Facebook looking. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to uh, how this one plays out. But look, man, super duper busy week. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about, and like I said, five things I don't think is just going to hold it. So let's get it going with at least five things that every herd fan needs to know this week. And as usual, these nine Ooh. this this week things every herd fan needs to know this week is brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Let's kick off with something really, really cool. Andy Taylor was named not only the Sunbelt Conference Player of the Week, but the Lou Henson Award Player of the Week, which is a national award. Yeah, so uh, he did not fall under the radar last week. He went out, and this was off of the heels of one of his worst performances yeah. in a Marshall uniform. He goes out and earns Conference Player of the Week and a National Player of the Week award. And since that game where he struggled and you know it was rough, he's just kind of caught fire. Yeah, and uh, has been playing. I don't want to say like a different player because he's a great player. No, he's been but, doing it all year. And yeah, yeah. but the shot, more shots are falling. More, yeah, it, he's just just in the zone a little bit more than the normal Andy Taylor zone. And as much as we've been talking about Tavion Kinsey, and and rightfully so, when when all time records are you know within grasp, you're going to talk about that. But uh, Andy Taylor, for as great as he is, I don't think is still getting as much love as he should be getting. Yeah. E even from us, we're guilty. You know, but he's a great player, and uh, these awards that came his way are so merited, man. He's been so vital to the 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 win streaks, the or the wins, you know, down the stretch here as the as uh, Marshall and Southern Miss and James Madison, Louisiana and Troy are all vying for that, you know, top four being the top four in the Sun Belt. Andy's just been so instrumental in those wins. So. That week, Kenzie also put up stupid numbers, just yeah. absolutely stupid. He hit 37 in one of them and everything. And for for uh, Kenzie to be beaten out by his teammate just tells you how good of a week that Andy had. The two of them together had an amazing week. And we'll we'll talk a lot more about basketball and those individual players um, later on when we get to Around the Herd. But great, great, great award. Uh, I don't know if that's the first time we've won that award. Um, definitely since we've started covering the show, of course. But uh, I don't remember if Elmore or Whiteside or somebody. Well, you know, there's so many different National Player of the Week awards. You know, yeah, this one just this is has the to mid major. Be, yeah, this right. just happens to be that particular one. And if I'm not mistaken, now look, don't don't hold me to this, but I am thinking. That so a couple of years ago, I think Ryan Taylor maybe got a National Player of the of the Week award. Uh, of course, now Ryan Taylor's on the coaching staff for the herd, but I, somehow that's that's bumping around in the back of my brain. So we've gotten one in the past few seasons, but I just don't remember who it is. And if it wasn't Ryan Taylor, uh, I, my apologies for who it was. <laughs> but that's just what's popping around in the back of my brain. 
Uh, we're going to keep uh, number two along these same lines with players of the week. And Johanna Strom was named the Sunbelt Conference Tennis Player of the Week. Uh, listeners and viewers from last week will remember when we talked about just what a dominant performance she had, winning uh, singles events and singles events and doubles events with a partner and stuff. Every match that she was in, she won. So great week from her. Love to see this spreading all around the Sunbelt Conference when you see all these different sports recognizing our players of the week. I think that's so cool, man. We talked to member way back when, sometime last year, when tennis recruiting was in full swing, mm-hmm. and we thought, man, this was this this could be something special. At the time, we hadn't really followed tennis historically, but you know, it was like the eighth best uh, recruiting class in the yeah. mid in mid majors and and all that kind of stuff. And we thought, okay, maybe we're onto something here, and it's proving to be true, right? We we've got uh, an excellent tennis season going now the overall record might be there but some of these individual performances are pretty damn impressive and uh i'm gonna keep sticking with it because it's just so fitting johanna the thunderstrom is is just the perfect nickname so congratulations to her for getting that sbc tennis player of the week and after a dominating week so i mean congratulations i'm like you i love hearing this stuff seeing this stuff across multiple disciplines and sports it's just awesome man it's just so awesome I can't wait until the week comes that we sweep the awards for the player of the week in every, uh, every, Jeez. every sport that's played that week. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to, yeah. We'll have to keep our eyes out on that. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what, that's going to take an amazingly dominant performance during a football season, just because they don't like to do that stuff. You know, yeah. they like to find someone else to spread the wealth around, but you know, I, I don't know what it'll take, but that one will be tough. It won't be the first time it's happened, though. Marshall has done that before. Yeah, kind of like when they gave the third best quarterback in the conference, Grayson McCall, the uh, player of the year. Player of the year. What Man. shots fired? Sorry. Um, <laughs> all right, Aaron Dobson is returning to Marshall for our number three thing. He is going to be an offensive uh, quality control analyst. How cool yeah. is that? Like, I have it on cool good authority that? that he is showing them how to do a backwards one-handed catch in the end zone. That's I don't know if that's something you can teach. <laughs> I think you just kind of gotta gotta have that. But um of all the plays, of course, that stick around in in a lot of herd fans' minds over the past, gosh, probably two decades or so, there's a handful yeah. of them that shoot to the top. And that Byron uh, left, which getting carried down the field, yeah. will always be one. Aaron Dobson's backhanded catch on top of uh, defensive pass interference, I must say. It wasn't called, but if you've seen the close-up um, of those pictures. The yeah, guy was easy. in his uniform. <laughs> yeah, he's like pulling his arm down. Yeah. Didn't matter. And that's definitely one of them. When I when I saw the tweet from Dobson, I put the uh, picture of him that's uh, – it's from the Purdue game up in West Lafayette, and he made a, ha- a one-handed catch where he was – the photo doesn't do do it justice because if you watch the play, he was basically parallel to the ground, you know. But um, having a guy like that who has a knack for catching the football, mm-hmm. performed at a really high level, yeah. I'm not out of uh, I'm not tail and tails out of school to call Aaron Dobson one of those all timers at the wide receiver position. You're talking mm-hmm. about a second round draft pick, yep. New England Patriots, NFL experience, and he's a West Virginia guy, yep. South Charleston High School. I mean, all of that flavor that you want coming right back home to Huntington, West Virginia, to uh, go toe-to-toe 
and share some knowledge with our wide receiver room. I love it, man. It just fe- I tweeted that it feels right, it feels good, and it does. That's from my personal account, and it does. It feels like this should happen. So I'm really excited about this one, and I bet the guys over in the Shoei, players, the coaches, administration alike, is probably equally excited to see uh, what Dobson's going to do in this quality control uh, analyst role. Not all of our five things each week are positive, and we've got one here that is not. So we're going to go ahead and talk about it and then try to end on some more positive things. But uh, number four, David Early has been dismissed from the basketball team. Personal reasons is yep. the quote unquote reason that has been given. We yeah, are not, is, we're not going to speculate. No, it's been a long standing policy of mine personally that I don't speculate on things when players are dismissed or this is not the case. But if a player is arrested or anything like that, it's not my mm-hmm. place to pass judgment or hold yep. you know, or speculate. I just say he's not a part of the team anymore. Mm-hmm. Personal reasons is what is out there. And basically, basically all you can take from that is Marshall's got one less player on the roster right now yeah um, surely that has an effect in the locker room because guys are mm-hmm. friends and and yep. you know they're tight and he's been on the team for a couple of years and he he's he's an excellent role player he's played quality minutes for us earlier in games that were vital to the success in that particular game so yep. this is going to sting a little bit and it stings a little bit more because he's a local guy he's a chapmanville kid and logan it was or logan yeah and it was a big uh it was a big get when uh, Danny was able to get him to Huntington. So this one stings, but Hey, all you can do is wish him the best, Mm -hmm. uh, appreciate what he did in a herd uniform and hope everything's okay. Right. Yeah. And long-term we're talking about a, uh, another scholarship that will be available. uh, So it'll affect recruiting the ripple waves from this uh, (laughs) as it's toward the end of the year. uh, It, it already happened this week, which we're going to talk about later in uh, around the herd. But the day that he's dismissed was Thursday and that's when we had a game and it affected our rotation when we had foul trouble. So, you know, the ripple effects are going to be big. So we did want to bring this up and talk about it. You know, fans, fans need to know. Uh, But as you said, we are not going to speculate because we have, we're not insiders. We tell everybody, you know, and even if I had the inside (laughs) info on what it was, if it's not out there, I'm not going to put it out there until I can verify a hundred percent. Here's what it is. And somebody made a statement about it. Yeah. I mean, it's just not, it's, it's none of my business, right? Right. Like my business ends where the player's not on our team anymore. That's it. Yeah, like that, that's what it is. So, again, we wish him the best. We hope everything's okay. Whatever those personal reasons mean, that can be a, myri- a myriad of things. Yeah. But uh, hopefully everything is okay. And, uh, you know, the herd will press forward. I hope Mr. Early can press forward and, you know, find a uh, – his if his next stop is a better stop, then great. Uh, hopefully it's a win-win when it's all said and done. Yep. All right, number five, Oliver Simla signs with Louisville City Football Club. That'll be uh, – a lot of fans are still around in this Louisville, Lexington area. Mm-hmm. Hopefully get to see uh, him play in his professional career. And uh, we wish him all the best there as well. And they, from the social media stuff, seem to be very high on him. Obviously, they signed him. But... <laughs> well, they should be. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I mean? I mean, sometimes yeah. people are signed for depth and things like that. But they uh, they have really been promoting him. And I, I think that he'll make a good impact from there. Yeah, he 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 looks like the type of guy that would make – I don't know anything about Louisville FC, right? But he looks like the type of guy that would make a good face of the program, you know, because he's a winner, national champion. 
you know, young and energetic dude. And, you know, he just looks like he could, he could uh, rally support for that team, especially if he goes out and performs. I mean, if you turn into a brick wall out there and nothing gets by you, people are going to start to like you a whole lot quicker. But how cool is that, that it's a three-hour drive from Huntington, and not to mention all of our fans, herd fans and herd soccer fans that live in Lexington, may live in the surrounding areas of like E-Town or maybe up in uh, the uh, Louisville metro area in like some parts of Indiana or uh, maybe even, you know, Cincinnati. So it, you get an opportunity to continue following the trajectory and the career of a herd all-timer, man. This is really cool. It was, uh, I'm not going to say it's a bummer because it's cool that uh, uh, Milo Yosef was signed in Tulsa, but that's in Tulsa. You know, you can't just hop in the car and head to Tulsa for an afternoon yeah. game. You can hop in the car and head to Louisville for an afternoon game. Unless just, you're going to, unless you're going to Tulsa, West Virginia. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they got a football club. <laughs> Spelled differently. Most of the time pronounced the same, even though it shouldn't be. <laughs> and po point of parliamentary procedure, Mr. KD, I have to bring up that you must drive like my grandfather now because I make it to Louisville in around two and a half, if not a little bit less. So, Well, th this was several years ago when, of course, I was working out of Louisville and, uh, I remember, you know, there was some administrative hangups with my job. They wouldn't grant me an extra hour, you know, so it was three hours basically from my front door to where I needed to be. That's yeah. why I say three hours. Gotcha. But anyway. Neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. Yeah. All right. Uh, number six, uh, football general manager, Mark Vodler, uh, seemingly has been hired away by Ohio State to be their new director of player personnel reason I say seemingly, neither Ohio State or Marshall has made an official comment, but where there's smoke, there's fire. There has mm -hmm. been dozens upon dozens of Ohio State uh, sources that have uh, put this out and written about it, and it all came from Football Scoop, who generally has been yeah, right pretty on. on point. Yeah. yeah, this does not seem like a smoke and mirrors thing it mm -hmm. seems more like a smoke and fire thing so um not surprising right because right. when huff when huff brought in uh mr vodler it was with a pretty impressive resume of what yeah. he'd done in previous stops and we thought great we're going to benefit for this for maybe a couple of years and well it's not surprising to see you move on. You got good people. People come after your people, right? Yeah. And um, I guess that's what you want. If people are hiring your coaches and administrative support staff, then that means you've got good ones. And yeah. the task just falls on you to replace them with equally talented uh, replacements. So uh, congratulations. I mean, I, it's yeah. hard for me to say I'd turn down a job at Ohio State, probably paying substantially more. Yeah. Uh, but we one of the elites of college yeah. football, the yeah. elite of the elite, you know, top yeah. five easily. And uh, I think it goes back uh, to what Coach Huff said on uh, the last time he was on our podcast is, you know, he made the analogy is you want people saying, hey, you got a good looking wife. You know, you want people to come after your uh, coaches. You want people to come after your personnel. That just means you've got the right people and you're doing everything the way it should be. And uh he, he's now got, uh, talking about Vodler, he, he's got experience at, amongst others, Alabama and Ohio State now. Yeah. So, uh, obvious, <laughs> yeah, the, the three elites. Of course. You know? But uh, that is uh got to be impressive and show how in demand he is. I want to say 
that I saw in that article that he'd also been at like Virginia Tech and maybe Tennessee. I'm not, yeah, don't quote sure. me on that, but that's, that's a pretty impressive, you know, uh, laundry list of schools for a young guy too. for, for a relatively young fella to, uh, build a career that quickly. So again, it's not surprising, but now the onus falls on Huff and, and, you know, his team to find a suitable replacement. Next up, we've got uh, Marshall has extended their deal with Nike, and it also includes BSN Sports. I'm pumped about that. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's without saying goes without saying now that you need to be a Nike school. Like whether you whether you or me like it or not doesn't matter because the players want to be dressed in Nike apparel, right? They yeah. got they just have the coolest stuff, and it is what it is. But, um. That's great. You know, we continue to be a Nike school. I don't think that was ever really in question. I can't see that, you know, we were actively shopping to go somewhere else. But um, I don't know what. So you'll have to fill me in on what the second part of that is. So BSN Sports, as I understand it, anyone can feel free to DM us or comment on this or whatever to correct us. But as I understand it, that is just more around the... uh specific gear going to the oh like like batting helmets or something like that or yeah, like catchers uh, like, chest yeah. guards so okay. so they they get all of the gear going to the athletics clubs all the teams so they are now because you've got bsn and nike and marshall it's coach or uh, athletic director christian spears used the word holistic so it's all encompassing that everyone's on the same page. The contract is between the three uh, organizations and you will now see every single thing going, you know, Nike on, on all apparel, that sort of thing um, out in the retail market. We will all have the same shade of shirts, yeah, yeah. gear, hats, all that thing. No more seeing, you know, I, how how often a, a friend of mine joked real recently that when he was down at Coastal Carolina, he could tell uh, how many people were living down at Coastal going to this game, living in the Myrtle Beach area, because they still had the older, more the hunter, green, hunter green stuff. Yeah, you know, because they had been away from Huntington's, you know, where we've got the, the better Kelly green colors that are matching now with yeah. the athletics. But this is more brand cohesion, basically, is what we all need to understand. So the wild card in that is, yes, all of your Nike apparel might be the same color Kelly green. But like if you're buying a shirt from, say, Glenn's and they're, mm -hmm. you know, they, they're going to screen print on a Gildan tee. Well, it might not be the same color as the Kelly that Nike has. So there will still be some variations. But as far as official team gear that should all be you know cohesive and and basically the same i would have to reread the article but they specifically said licensed uh um i don't know cohorts or whatever you know people that uh they they work with that are licensed retailers i think will have to use nike with this See that's that's that that's shocking to me because you know a Gildan a, a regular Gildan tee costs substantially less a blank one costs right. substantially less than a Nike tee, so you would basically be unable to sell like the twelve dollar t shirt, you know I would I would think 
So it might mean for licensed retailers, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I just find it hard to believe that you're not going to, you're going to take away the freedom of your, of your, someone like Glenn's who prints some, a lot of their own apparel, you know, and they have a license with Marshall. I find it hard to believe that that would be taken away from them to uh, only have to use Nike exclusive, like blank tees to print your designs. But, you know, I could be wrong. I just don't think that's. And I, I could is. be wrong too, uh, you know, without asking these questions, but here is the quote fully integrating, which sure. to me means, you know, it's pretty definitive. Our Nike deal with all our campus and community partners was an important part of the future of our apparel equipment and licensing plan. Mm-hmm. What I get from that is that fully integrating means it's it's there, you know, and and when we're talking brand cohesion and everything that just to me says we want it all to be part of this. I mean, Nike, you know, what's in it for them is everything. But when you see if I'm Nike, would, would I say, well, yeah, we, we want to do this and make it fully integrated, but yeah, your licenses, you can also include all these other people that are a lot cheaper than us. I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think, think the, it, I just don't think it is. I think it means maybe something like you can't be putting Marshall stuff on like an Adidas shirt or a Columbia jacket, you know, something like that. But as far as, as far as just like blank t-shirts and sweatshirts, I don't know. I mean, I could, I, again, I could be wrong, but I just don't, because Marshall's, you know, licensing deals with uh, third parties are for the use of the logos that like, I don't think Glenn's needs a, for example, needs a license with Nike to use their apparel. You know what I mean? They sell no, they it. go through Marshall. Right. So I just don't think that's the thing. I would be very shocked if the only thing you can buy would be a Nike t-shirt, sweatshirt, jacket, whatever, hat, anything. Because I mean, think about hats. Zephyr is the big brand that has most of Marshall's hats, right? There's a handful of, of Nike hats. I'm wearing one of them, but there's others out there. So uh, I would I would think that there will be some other options. I, I could be wrong. I just don't think that's the case. I don't think I've ever seen that before because even the biggest – uh, schools, Nike schools, the the Michigans that have the Jordan brand, and 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 um, uh, Ohio State, for example, Oregon can, famously. Yeah, yeah, you can get more than just Oregon's a great example yeah. because you can get more than just Nike stuff with the Oregon logo on it. You know, so if they're not making Oregon do it, then they ain't gonna make Marshall do it. That's what I'm saying. You may be right. I'm just I'm hung up on fully yeah. integrated and, you know, for our licensing thing. But that and, just may mean just for the university's athletics. Fully yeah. integrated could be. May, you know, cuz we said our community partners. I know. But I mean, we see things like, well, I'm I'm thinking that might mean like for those selling the sideline apparel. You know, it's got to be the Nike stuff. It can't be something else. But I was thinking like, you know, we see like uh, for softball for example, they have a lot of Mizuno stuff. Well, will they continue to be able to use Mizuno or will everything they have now have to be Nike? See, that's the kind of stuff that I wonder about. But anyway, you slice it. I'm glad we're still a Nike school. I think that's cool. I would like them to open up the filing cabinet a little bit more and give us some some more uniform uniform options because, you know, a lot of us G5s are just, you know, it's like we get the same uniform as other G5s just in our own color scheme. And it would be cool to have some options to be able to differentiate a little bit more rather than, you know, what it says across the chest or, 
you know, something, something like that. I'm not saying we have to go all Oregon. We don't have to have a different uniform combination for every week, but it would be nice to have, to be able to have some freedom to look a little bit different than coastal Carolina or a little bit different than Southern Miss. You know, it would be cool. It, that would definitely be cool. Yeah. I know what you're talking about because when uh, I'm, I'm thinking back, it, it was probably West Virginia came out. Uh, this is a long time back and had the, I don't know what you call it. It looked a lot like the when the Denver Broncos re, revamped and had those uh, curled lines and, and mm-hmm. things like that. And I thought, oh, okay, they got new uniforms and they came up with this this design. And then you see someone else on the other side of the country has that exact design just in their team colors. Yeah. And then there were like five or six of them. It just takes away from the uniqueness, takes away from um, the branding and that sort of thing when – like you said, you look interchangeable with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> we are going to keep it going and talk about the Hall of Fame committee that expanded. And that was just brought about uh, yesterday. Uh, several new names. We're not going to list them all. This is on Herd Zone if you want to read about it. The kind of news that came out of this is now it is going to be a biennial every two years. Oh, Uh yeah um or wait is biennial yeah it's every two years gotta be biannual is twice a year yeah biennial is every two years uh anyway every two years they're going to do the hall of fame Hmm. well that's interesting i wonder if if they'll just have you know larger classes that would basically equal out to the same number as if they were doing it annually or If, if it'll be roughly the same size classes we see on an annual basis just done every two years that'll be worth noting i suppose but uh, yeah i read that uh the list of names that are being added and it was a nice mixture across the athletic mm-hmm. department of some former athletes and and some administrators some some current folks and uh folks across the, even the university so it was pretty cool and um uh, I guess I'll, I'm, I'm interested to see how that'll go. I did not catch the part about it going to once every two years because yeah. it seems to be an annual thing that you just are used to hearing. But, you know, okay, I, I got no thoughts one way or the other on that decision. Just something new, I guess. Yeah. And not much more to talk about that. That's really the news that came from there. We're going to wrap up our nine things every Herd fan <laughs> needs to know this week uh, with the Kenzie watch. And anyone that has been following along on our Twitter, you've seen us posting where he stands. And as uh, going into last night's game, he was uh, 26 away from tying Skip Henderson for second and uh, 90 away from tying John Elmore, who was at the game last Yeah, yeah. And he got 16 in the first half, finished with uh, 22. So now he is four away from Skip Henderson. And that would be a little quick math here, 68 away now from tying John Elmore. We have two regular season games and one um, – tournament game guaranteed Mm -hmm. so it's pretty much a guarantee from my book unless something catastrophic injury wise happens that uh he's going to pass 
Skip Henderson being second place for yeah. um, this next game that we go to, uh, which will be Wednesday. And then he's got a really good shot at passing John Elmore. Yeah, and, and some of the news that came out after this win over Troy, of course, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag just a little bit before we get into Around the Herd because we've got to mm -hmm. talk about it. Marshall secured one of the top four seeds, so they're going to get a double bye. Yep. And, you know, while that's great for your hopes of a conference championship, uh, that could take one game off the board. So if Marshall happens to have something wild happen and lose that game and Kenzie falls short, they would need some sort of postseason tournament you know, bid for him to possibly be able to attain that record. But yeah. I think you're right. I think it's it's a basically a foregone conclusion that after the next game, um, he'll be the number two all-time leading scorer. It should happen probably fairly early in the first half. Yeah. Uh, now, in retrospect, it seems kind of a damn bummer that we're closing the season out on the road because Marshall would have uh, – even if one of these last two games was a home game, the home crowd would have been treated to seeing um, him move into second all time. Yeah. I mean, they could have happened, you know, last night, but it would have just taken, uh, you know, a, a little bit more of a scoring focus, a little bit more of a me attitude. And that's yeah. really just not how he rolls. So uh, it sucks that those that's going to happen on the road, but man, still cool. How cool is it that herd fans have will have been treated to some of the most prolific scores ever in the last decade? You know, I mean, we're talking about the number current number one and current number three, soon to be number two, and you also throw in guys like C.J. Burks in there mm -hmm. and. And guys that might not have been around long enough to rank on the all-time list, but think about guys like Stevie Browning. I mean, yeah. Austin Loop was the the three-point leader before Elmore, Elmore took that one away. We've seen a lot of prolific scores in the D'Antoni era. It's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's uh, once Taylor's season ends, uh, I think that we're probably going to have four of the top ten uh, under the D'Antoni era. And then you've got Ryan Taylor, who's mm -hmm. one one of his years was under Harrion, and then the rest were under Dan Tony, um, and he's in that top ten, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Uh, Taylor, which we'll talk about a little bit more later, but uh, if he comes back next year, he's got a really good shot of finishing in that top five, top three, even maybe. Uh, <clears throat> See, that was confusing to me uh, back on Andy real quick because mm -hmm. I'd heard somebody talking about, you know, him come, uh, he could come back or he could yeah. play again. And then I was like, well, was somebody misinformed because he went through the senior night last night. But I guess it's a lot like football. You go it's a lot like football. because you don't know what you may ultimately do. Right. Yeah. And if you're unsure, like Huff says, walk, just walk, yeah. get it over with, and you can focus on you know, the rest of your season and, and your future. So it would be, I mean, it goes without saying that would be monumental to have him back for the herd. But it's ex uh, as I understand it is it's expected. However, he is also uh, well sought after. He has, of course. Been, he has been extremely loyal to Marshall yeah. over the last few years, as has Kenzie. Yeah. If, if you guys think that they have not had offers or could, oh, you're, full, goes, you're fooling could, yourself. Yeah. If, if, I mean, even if someone hasn't reached out, all they would have to do is dip a toe in the water to get an offer. Yeah. Uh, both, both of those, uh, yeah. anyone, I mean, they're the, no, the, in my opinion, the top guard duo in the country. Oh, so, right yeah. Now. We got the best backcourt in the country. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, so, the, probably um, the highest scoring I would say. Yeah. So, um, they have been extremely loyal. 
I would expect him back, but you never know in this day and age. I mean, you know, he's got a degree. He could mm-hmm. do what a couple of players did uh, after they graduated. And uh, one went to uh, Louisville and one went to um, EKU, you know, a couple of years ago. So yep. he, he may or may not come back. If he does, it is really going to impact obviously next year's team to have a fifth year player. So this is not, uh, this wasn't a setup, but this does seem like the perfect time to say, maybe it's a good time to go to check out what you can do with the Thunder Trust. Just uh-huh. say, yeah. um, I'm not saying that this is, that that's out there, you know, like Andy's not holding Marshall hostage. Like I want this or else, but I'm just saying if push comes to shove, we need to be in a position to make a move. And yeah, um, it, Russ is right. These guys have been incredibly loyal, incredibly loyal. Yeah. But you can't expect them to be loyal to a fault, right? Because right. they have futures to think about and, and all that kind of stuff. So if the right opportunity comes along, you have to at least listen. I mean, you would listen to an offer. I would listen to an offer. You know, if a competitor wanted me, I would at least listen. Mm-hmm. So uh, go to the thundertrust.com, see how you can get involved because we may be in a position where we have to do something and we want to be in a, we want to be able to do that if we can to, to retain these players. What if Marshall's a tournament team? They know, yeah. they know Kenzie's gone. He's not coming back. Well, who's the next guy you're going to look at? Wow. Look, look at this all sunbelt, no doubt point guard who was running around sinking buckets left and right. He might be the missing piece for us to be a tournament team. Well, now what? Now what? So anyway, uh, keep that in mind as we as we push forward. But Kenzie, watch, man. How cool? How cool? Yeah. Sixty eight points off the top of your head. That might be off by a point or two, but uh, no, it, it is. It's uh, it's sixty eight. Okay, he to tie. 68 to tie. tie. Sixty nine to take the lead. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Got uh, uh, four points to tie. Uh, second place, five to move, and again, we expect that to be pretty early in the second or in first half of uh, Wednesday's game. Yep. Well, that ends our uh, nine this week. <laughs> things every herd fan needs to know, and uh, you know what? I could have put in more. Could have been more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a busy time. You know, a lot of people, uh, competitors of ours at other schools. You know, I don't. They're not competition, but you know what I mean, like people that do the same thing that we do peers. Yeah. Yeah. They are taking this time off and they only talk about football and we are bringing Marshall fans, every sport. Yeah. And there's a lot that's going on when you look at Saturday and there were like nine games going on yeah. you know, some, or, or not just games, meets, matches, that sort of thing. But um, crazy busy time, a lot of news going on. And you'll see when we get to around the herd here, a lot happened this week. <laughs> Yeah. So again, we've got so much to to talk about. Uh, we are just going to get right into around the herd. So, dude, where do you want to go? Because, I mean, like I said, Saturday alone was massively busy. Yeah. We've got a lot to talk about since our last episode. Of course, we're not going to get into every single stat and every single this and every single that. But yeah. there's a lot that went on and a lot of uh, records, a lot of bests, a lot of this stuff you can't just not talk about. So, yeah. Where are we going? I want to start on the diamond with baseball. And Greg Bill's era has kicked off, and it kicked off in a big way. Uh, We beat St. Louis, uh, the first two 
uh, games of the three game series on Friday. We won 11 to four. That one was in no doubt at, er at any time. And then we come back the next day on Saturday and we beat St. Louis eight to four. So starting off two and oh, they uh, will talk about those two games here in one second. They finished the series up today at 1 p.m. Uh, it's going on right now. Yeah. Uh, so this uh, we won't have that by the time this show ends, but, you know, we'll be tweeting it out and you'll probably be listening to this on Monday, I figure. Yeah. But hey, two and zero. Oh, what are, can you start any better to the Bills era? I mean, not in two games. Not in two games. <laughs> Maybe uh, two shutout wins would have yeah. been the better start. But who who cares? I mean, this is this is pretty great. Uh, I guess you, what we have to talk about is um, the pitching, right? We, remember, we brought in a new pitching coach. Well, Wags did, and uh, he was retained. And I remember bringing when we when we brought him in, we talked about how he had performed at Western Carolina, I think it was, and had dropped mm -hmm. their pitching staff's overall ERA by over a run. And we had talked about that as a point of emphasis going into the 2023 season for Marshall. We could we could start off strong, but it seemed like if if games were tight down the stretch, we just didn't have enough pitching to close out some of those wins and would give give up some late comeback victories uh throughout the season last year and so far this year that's not really proven to be the case friday's winning pitcher was bryce blevins he came in in relief uh, patrick copen got the no decision after four innings pitched and eight strikeouts in four innings um what an excellent opening day for uh patrick copen and then on saturday the winning pitcher was Drew Harlow. He only pitched three innings, but he turned in seven strikeouts in three innings. So a couple of pitchers putting up some big numbers in the K department in a fairly short relative innings pitched. Um, something to be excited about early on in this season. So I'm sure we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on guys like Luke Edwards, a, a, a big, big cog from uh, the team last year, was one of the, the league leaders in the Conference USA both in average and hits, and uh, he was just a vital, vital to Marshall's success. So as this young baseball season moves on down the line, of course we're going to bring you all the goings-on. But 2-0, and you got to love it in this Sunbelt baseball, like, religion-type conference. I mean, they are serious about it. I have never seen guys, our cohorts, like you talk about our peers, the counting down like literal countdown yeah. like most people do for football mm -hmm. you know it's like mm, six days until opening day can't wait ready ready mm -hmm. ready we're ready so it's cool starting out two and oh is where you want to be i want to talk briefly about uh walks in that 11 to 4 opening victory we had 11 walks our first two runs came off of bases loaded walks i mean yeah. the patience at the plate uh, that sort of thing, you know, getting the proverbial ducks on the pond is huge. Uh, our pitching, we gave up five walks in that uh, first uh, uh, game. And then the second game, we, when we went eight to four, we only give up one walk and we get another six. So there are five, I can't five or six, but anyway, getting walks, not giving up walks. That's just, I mean, how often do you hear it from little league or T-ball on? t-ball a walk so good as a hit can't get can't get a walk in t-ball but you get <laughs> well we've talked about that before right free base runners you yeah. you specifically talk about on base percentages it's much more of an important stat than necessarily batting average because sure. 
if you can get on base, you can't score unless you get on base. Right. And uh, giving free base runners is just a great way to lose a game, especially yeah. a tight game. So yeah. to be on the plus side of that, you know, walks versus walks given up ratio is another place you want to be. Getting guys on base to let your hitters hit is is paramount when you're trying to figure out who you are. And we don't we don't know who Marshall is, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they know who they are, but we as fans, by and large, I feel, I, I feel comfortable saying a large section of the fan base probably doesn't know what this Marshall baseball team is yet. Yeah. So they're two learning game, with the two games. Yeah. Two games into a, an era, I would argue that they don't know. They're going to have a good idea uh, because of practice and everything, but they're really going to find themselves this year and find ways to win. And that's sure. when they will find the character of their team. Yeah. Qu- quick clarification for anybody on what KD's talking about, how I said, uh, and have said it many a times, I'll have hours long conversations about it. Batting average is not the most important stat on base percentage is driven a lot from batting average and walks, uh, of course, but the higher your batting average, the higher your on base percentage is sure. going to be. Uh, so I'm not discounting batting average, but you, you just can't look at the triple crown stats and get a feel for how valuable a, a player is to a team. If someone's getting on base over four, uh, 40% of the time, they are giving the opportunity for these other guys behind them, the sluggers, the, the guys that have uh, uh, a knack for hitting it into the gap to score these guys. Scoring more than your opponent is still how you win the game. <laughs> so on base percentage, yes, 100%. It is one of the most uh, important stats out there, and 11 walks is going to do it. Yeah. That's why I say at times. I mean, you still got to be able to hit the ball, but if you can get on base, I'll take guys that get on base, right? Sure. Um, after they finish up today, they're going to be traveling next uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday over to Charleston, South Carolina for a three-game series against Charleston Southern. So I know that we've got some folks down in that Myrtle Beach to Charleston area, so hoping to see some people go down there and watch some herd baseball. Yeah, and it's never too early to start hyping up the home series, uh, the mm-hmm. first home series of the season. So we might as well start doing that now because it's basically going to be um, – The next week. Yeah, it's gonna it's two weeks away, but you're going to have an opportunity to see herd baseball and herd softball same weekend, both opening at home. So you can really uh, be able to hit up games for both programs – all three days of the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, whatever fits your schedule, there will be absolutely no excuse not to take in some herd baseball up at the Kennedy Center on Route 2 and Dot Hicks Field um, with the softball team, which we're going to talk about more here in a second. Yep, and we're going to go on to them right now. They absolutely decimated Maine on Friday, 16 to nothing. Then uh, on Saturday, uh, the first game of a doubleheader, they beat Indiana State uh, 3-2. to two. Second game of that doubleheader, not against the same team. They played UT Chattanooga. They lost 7-4. to four. This morning, they uh, played at 9 a.m., and the second game is either ongoing or getting ready to end as we are talking about this. They blasted Western Illinois this morning 14-1. to one. And they are playing Indiana State right now. Let's call call that a final. Let's call that a final. Herd takes down Indiana State in a nipper one to nothing. 
Hurd wow. scores their lone run in the top of the first and holds serve for the remainder of the game. Wow. Uh, one to nothing. Sid Nestor in that one. Seven more innings pitched, just one hit, striking out five in that game. I got some stats on Sid, man. And the, 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 these stats I'm going to read you don't even take into account that game. Okay, okay. So that's why I said seven innings pitched and another five strikeouts. Uh, Heard softball five and two on the season. Their season opener at the dot again will be March 3rd through 5th. Yeah, I think it's called the the Herd Invitational or something like that. Uh, they'll be playing Pitt on that Friday, Moorhead State, um, and and a double dip with Kent on a Saturday Sunday affair. But Sid Nestor, listen, not counting today's seven inning pitch, so I can do that now. Well, let me count them: thirty eight total innings pitched for Sid Nestor on the season. 42 strikeouts plus the five today, 47 strikeouts and 31 innings pitched. Her ERA, I, I can't do the average on that real quick, but up up through today, it's probably lower now since she only gave up one, if that was an earned run, was 1.58. So that's probably a little bit lower now. Sid Nestor is absolutely killing it early on in this season. Get your ass to the dot and watch her pitch. It is an opera. I mean, she is great. It's something fun to watch. Little correction for you. What? You said five and two, but that did not include today's game, so you don't have that updated yeah. yet. There's seven and two. Yeah, seven and two now. That's right. Yep. Uh, the, the other stats you guys, well, not all of them, but uh, we talked about how this softball team's built a little bit different. They're not, you know, driving the ball out of the ballpark as often as they did last season. Through seven games, Hurd only, well, I guess it's nine, nine games. Yeah. Through, through nine games, the Hurd only has um, – Four or five total home runs as a team. Autumn Owen and Riley Lucas both tied for the team lead with two. So this is a more of a if you want to call it traditional, I don't know, type of softball to where you're, you know, you have to rely on hits and base running and and uh, manufacturing of runs. It's very entertaining. Uh, I can't talk about that enough. If I only get to see them play one game this season, I'm going to be thoroughly disappointed because it was a hell of a lot of fun. You guys have to plan now, two weekends from now, the first weekend in March, make plans to take in at least one baseball game and at least one softball game while both teams are in Huntington. You will not be disappointed. Oh, Let's la- talk. wait a yeah, minute. La- last that I wanted to say. of the This is about your on-base percentage. Mm-hmm. of the seven, This is also up through today, so uh, before this last game. Of the seven players with at least 15 at-bats for this herd softball team, four of them, Four of them have an on-base percentage of over 500. Tell me that's not impressive. That is impressive. I will not tell you that. <laughs> um, where do they go next from here? They're going to uh, be playing uh, five games in the Liberty Classic over in Lynchburg, Virginia, and that'll be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They got Northern Illinois at 10 a.m. Uh, this is on Friday, 2 p.m., Morgan State on Friday. Saturday, they've got Princeton at 2 p.m., Saturday, they've got Liberty at 6 p.m. And then Sunday, they finish up this five-game weekend series uh, at uh, with Elon on uh, Sunday at 11 a.m. And then, as you already mentioned, we're going to talk about it a lot in our next show, but they will be hosting the Thundering Herd Round Robin the next weekend. So, again, get to the dot for that weekend. Go ahead and make your plans. All right, so we are going to go over to tennis 
and uh, this was ongoing while we were recording last uh, week. Oh. Uh, so Sunday they uh, ended up beating Cincinnati six to one, extremely de- uh, decisive. And I'll have a little bit of the winners on that. Uh, the matches against Michigan State uh, were canceled. Uh, tragic, tragic campus shooting uh, made national news. And, of course, they put all sports on hold. And that was uh, one of the matches that were planned. And then uh, yesterday they lost to Illinois 4-2. to two. So of those winners on uh, tennis, let's see here. Sorry, man, I had the wrong thing up. Uh, women's tennis, and of course, uh, Johanna Strom, as we mentioned, was coming off that dominant week uh, the week before. And they ended up on this Cincinnati, uh, go with the singles first, uh, Vander Hayden and Strom uh, in doubles. I said singles first, but this is doubles. Uh, ended in five to five in one set. Uh, I don't know why it doesn't say on there why they didn't play as a second set or finish the first set. Um, but continuing the doubles, Sophia Hurion and Aisling McGrain won six to two in theirs. And then Gabriel Clairot and Ricky Gillar won six to three in their doubles. And then over in singles, uh, Emma Vander Hayden uh, won in three sets. Seven five six one and one to nothing, and then Strom continued her dominance, uh, swept uh, two sets in her singles six two six one. Dorotaja Joksovich won six three and six three in hers in singles. Aisling McGrain six one seven six and one to nothing. She ended up losing that one in an extremely tight back and forth third set. Angela Lopachik, uh, 6-2 and 6-3. She swept her singles. And then Sophia, Sophia Hurion, 6-4 and 6-0, won hers. The herd came just in that one back and forth. You know, they had the one tie uh, that don't know why that match didn't finish. But that one that went into a third set and she ended up losing, that was really the only loss in a dominant, dominant day against Cincinnati. I don't know how Cincinnati's program is, but anytime you can nearly sweep a match of singles and doubles, that is a great, great day for the program. Uh, Obviously not as good on uh, the Illinois match from yesterday. As I mentioned, they uh, lost four to two. If you, I've got that up. If you want me to go through it. All right. So in doubles, really the only, uh, the only uh, downfall was Vander Hayden and Strom lost six to two. Um, Aisling McGrain and Sophia Huron won six four. Reiki Geller, Gabriel Clarot also won six four in singles. It was really not that good. The the lone winner for the for the herd in the singles was of course Johanna Strom six four six zero. Everybody else lost with one exception of an unfinished match. Um, Dortea Joksovich. Seven six five seven, and then an unfinished third set. So that one's up in the air. Marshall overall lo- loses the match to Illinois four to two. Brings Marshall four and four overall on the season. Uh, Johanna Strom continues to impress, but I guess uh, Illinois must have some 
pretty good tennis players because for for us to uh, kind of get handled, these scores, some of them were pretty close, but not really, you know. So, Indiana or uh, Illinois must be pretty strong. Where we? What's the? What's next on the? Uh, where's the next meet or match? I don't know. Um, I didn't. I didn't Is see that one? on there. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. We'll we'll have that out on 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 Twitter, but I'm I'm just not seeing it right now. Okay. Um, we're going to go on over to swim and dive. The herd finished sixth out of ten on the uh, in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference Championships. Uh, the big news is they got an overall win uh, in the 1,650-yard freestyle by Esther LeBon. Um, I didn't see the second-place time, but uh, she finished at 16 minutes, 50 seconds on there. And we had, over this four-day event, we had several top-five finishes, uh, a couple uh, early Second place finishes in diving. Uh, Grace Kelsheimer was one of those. Uh, just top to bottom, a good showing from everybody. Uh, all kinds of top fives and that sort of thing. But the number one uh, news of that is Esther LeBon winning uh, an overall event, 1,650-yard freestyle. Yeah, I saw that we also captured silver in one event. I can't remember what it is. And in, in the... Uh the uh, article here at least one of them isn't showing what it is maybe this is it four top it was, five finishes no it was the day before that they okay. uh, had two had two second place finishes but i was following along and you know mm-hmm. at, reading the recap like of the day yeah. and these articles kept saying posted a lifetime best posted a this best the yeah. sixth fastest in program history right. the fourth fastest in program history so that's the type of stuff that we keep telling you is the you know, you you have to hit your peak at the right time. And our swimmers and divers seemingly did that to post personal bests again, because it's not like they were not doing that throughout the season as well. You know, so you could see that our, our swimmers were improving as the season went along and their times got faster and faster mm-hmm. and faster. And then we got the championship week and uh, their lifetime bests were set again. All-time bests. We're talking all-time program bests, top tens across the board in so many of these disciplines and events. It's very impressive. Now, is it a little disheartening that Marshall was only able to get six out of ten teams? Yeah, it is. But for all I know, Missouri State is a freaking swimming dive powerhouse. I don't have a clue. You know, I'm, I can't sit here and tell you that I know anything about Missouri Valley swimming and diving. But I can tell you that we have some excellent young swimmers and divers and I am really excited about what the future of this program looks like once the Sun Belt starts sponsoring uh, those those of, or that sport, which is next year. Yeah, and we we have uh, talked about this before, but you know they were faced with a lot of travel mm-hmm. uh, on a short notice that they were going to be in this conference, and even these um, championships, you know, you had to travel, you know several 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 hours away to get through them and everything and it's a four-day event i don't know how many hours away they were but let's seven i don't know eight um but anyway we are just like all sports really looking forward to the sun belt um i feel like marshall is on the rise in everything it seems like everything we talk about it just seems 
positive and trending upward. And I feel that that move to the Sun Belt was just such a catalyst for much yeah. of that. So I'm really, really looking forward. I mean, this is the only sport that we have that's not in the Sun Belt Conference right now, and it starts next season. Well, and now the season's over in the Missouri Valley. Right. So for all intents and purposes, it is. So now yeah. all of the sports are in-house in the Sun Belt Conference, and Marshall is not an outlier anywhere. No associate memberships anywhere. Everything is now fully in the Sun Belt Conference. All we're waiting on is the Sun Belt to sponsor the sport and we all yeah. know that's coming yeah they've already announced it so yeah all right we're uh moving over next uh track and field the sunbelt conference speaking of them the indoor championships are monday and tuesday of this week so we will have news on our social media about that uh women's uh soccer is hosting concord next friday at the vet here in huntington at 7 p.m so see a little bit of spring soccer mm-hmm early before march even gets here you'll be able to take place in that head on over no word on tickets i'm going to assume that is just come on in and watch them well it might be an excellent opportunity to go out and see some of these new look players Uh, remember we hit the portal pretty hard got a couple of folks and uh they were out recruiting so there's going to be several new faces on this team uh and and it'll be you get your first look at uh, how they might operate as a cohesive unit now and what we can expect at least a little taste of what we might be able to expect come full-blown soccer season next we're uh, going over to women's basketball and uh two heartbreaking losses mm-hmm. very very close two games total of three points in the two games that we lost by Lost 63 to 61 on the road at Georgia Southern on Thursday. And then on Saturday at Georgia State, we lost 55 to 54. Uh, We come back home for ODU on Wednesday at 6 p.m. And that is senior night. Make sure you get out there for that. And we will finish the regular season on Friday at 5 p.m. hosting James Madison. So we really needed this Georgia swing to get us in some better position because we are um, looking up at Georgia Southern right now in the Sunbelt standings. Uh, Georgia State is really the one that stings because, you know, that's a game you should have won. That's a game we we should have went in and won because they're, they're, you know, three games back of the herd in the current standings. Marshall's fallen smack dab in the middle of Mm -hmm. the Sunbelt Conference standings right now. And when I say smack dab in the middle, they might be – eighth one two three four five six seven eighth uh with a handful of games to go and they're two games back in the loss column out away from georgia southern who is just in seventh so they really got to have some help uh to climb for some better seating here but this was rough they were they were on a big win streak they took the loss we thought they might bounce back and and now that loss has turned into a three-game skid uh but Back home against Old Dominion, that's not going to be an easy game. Uh, Old Dominion's 19-10 and 10 on the season in fourth place, really tied for third place and just one game out of being tied or in sole possession of first place in the Sunbelt Conference standing. So this is going to take some doing. And, uh, you know, we'll have tickets to the game. Obviously, it'll be senior night, uh, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Get out there, show out for your seniors. Uh, we'll be giving the tickets away, uh, but uh, we need two big wins 
to close out this season to help us with uh, some overall seeding. And really, you just want to get a senior night win. You want to, you want to yeah. send your seniors out the right way on their home court. Uh, they've put up with a lot. There's been a lot of, of, of adjustment. There's been a lot of turnover. There's been a lot of new, just a whole lot of new, new conference, new players, new coaches, new philosophies, new everything. And it would be nice for them to go out, you know, one more time on the uh, on the home court. But let's go back real quick and let's talk about these scores. Mahogany Matthews, Abby Beeman. Mahogany Matthews, 13 points against uh, Georgia Southern. Beeman with 11. Rochella Scott finally goes under double digits, gets eight in the game. That seemed like that was a uh, that was a that was a streak that went kind of forever. And then against Georgia State, it really just wasn't falling. Um, Rochella Scott back over the, in the double digit mark, 18 points, Abby Beeman with 10, but they didn't get that third score that they really need. And of course it ended up in a one point loss to Georgia state. And there had a bunch of other players that chipped in, you know, Sydney Scott had eight and Mahogany Matthews had six, but the bench scoring really wasn't there. And we really just needed that third score to go for a good dozen points. And this is a herd victory, but it is what it is. It's all in the past. We got an excellent opportunity coming up this Wednesday to start a two-game winning streak before yep. the regular season ends, and that's exactly what we need to do. Both of those games saw uh, the herd fall behind, which has been a, a theme, and yeah. then they came back, which has also been a theme. In uh, the first game, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the first game, they were down 23-9 to early in the second uh, quarter, and they reeled off 12 in a row to come back 23-21. to uh, later in the uh, second half of the next game is when they really made a run in the third quarter. Um, again, though, you know, if you don't fall behind, I know we said that jokingly, but mm -hmm. if you don't fall behind and then you can put on one of these runs, you're beating these teams. It feels like we're just off on a small piece yep. to being a, a more dominant team. And I love this team. You, you yeah. can't you can't not love this team. Right. They are the comeback king. Well, queens. They are <laughs> they are they're just killing it on never giving up. And it doesn't matter if they put the bench in to come back. Whatever they do, they come back. They do not quit. They have heart. But if they could just figure out, you know, getting those shots to drop or limiting those turnovers or whatever that prevents them from being down so much, they're going to turn it around. Yeah, and you know what? This it's not a slight to them, but you know, um, the never quit only takes you so far, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's yeah. it's admirable, it is. But sometimes it doesn't equate to wins, and we see that a lot. And I think you're right. I think you're, they're one missing piece away, and I don't know if that piece is a third scorer. I'm sure that would be a great addition, somebody that you could count on for ten, twelve a game, hands down. But it feels like it might be a more another defender somebody mm -hmm. to prevent that run or curb that run or whatever that is to stop that bleeding when you need to get some stops, several stops in a row down the court mm -hmm. to prevent that bleeding. But they're right there. It just seems like they're right there. Yeah. So um, again, very, very good opportunity to go on a two game win streak, see where the chips fall for the Sunbelt conference tournament and who we might match up against. But as of right now, middle of the pack team, um, slightly above 500, which is always a good thing, but you know, two more games above 500 sure would be nice to close this one out. Yeah. All right. Head on over to men's basketball. I was there for those. 
as you know. Um, we ended up winning uh, on Thursday in an all-time game, mm-hmm. 84 to 83 uh, against Georgia Southern. And then last night was senior night. We beat Troy 88 to 78. Uh, traveling to James Madison on Wednesday at 7 p.m. And then uh, who is currently fourth or no, currently third. They they leapfrogged Louisiana. So it's number two versus number three uh, in the conference right now. And then uh, finish the regular season at Old Dominion on Friday at 7 p.m. Yeah, that's going to be tough ones, man. You really got to have that James Madison game to uh, keep pace because I think there's still a chance Marshall could win the Sun Belt regular season championship, which would be pretty impressive. You talk about a big turnaround from a year ago, but you're not going to have any opportunity to do that. If you don't go two and O this, this week, you're going to have to go on this Virginia road trip and get a game in Harrisonburg and then go to Norfolk and win as well. And we saw that James Madison got one from the herd earlier in the season at the cam Mm -hmm. and Marshall was able to escape a really scrappy, tough, yeah, old Dominion team in a close, maybe it was like five or six point victory at the cam earlier in the season. So these are not cakewalks. James Madison's good. They just beat Louisiana, who did not match up well with the herd. We talked about it last week that the herd gave up 28 and 20 to Jordan Brown. And, uh, you know, James Madison had a much better effort against that Cajuns team. I watched the tail end of that game after the herd game went off. I was like, let me check on this score. And there was a minute and a half left. So I watched it and it was, it was, uh, they closed it out the way they were supposed to. They had to lead and they didn't let Louisiana go on a little run to make it, you know, put any question in place, but you got to have this one. Look, actually you got to have these last two. Let's go back and talk about that unbelievable environment and game last Thursday, uh, Marshall and Georgia Southern. I don't think anybody wants to play Georgia Southern at all in the uh, Sun Belt tournament. They just yeah. don't seem like they match up well with the herd for whatever reason. Uh, I can both tell of you those, why. Both of those games have been tight and too close for comfort for the herd. So, But let's go back and talk about that game. Yeah, so here's why I think that they don't match up well uh, is they have a, a very good interior uh, defense, interior rebounding team, and they are physical. They're big, physical, they're bulkier, that sort of thing. And we tend to struggle with that because we're more of let's outrun everyone. Mm-hmm. But when they uh, when they can beat us on the boards and get our bigs in foul trouble, our, our defense breaks down, our interior defense breaks down. That's kind of what we saw there. Um, that game, though, uh, it was great to be there with some friends, some people that you know as well were right there with me. And we were uh, we were seeing some people file out around two minutes to go, and a minute and thirty four or a minute thirty six can't remember which. We were down by eleven, seventy nine yeah. to sixty eight, and you know I I'm not one of these guys that's beating those people up that were leaving. You know I like to stay, but I mean you know this is a Thursday night. Some of the people that were leaving had kids, small kids, you know, so it's it's late in the night. I don't know where they're having to travel to, so I'm not going to beat them up. All I will say is I guarantee you 95% of those people really wish they would have stayed for that game because <laughs> if it wasn't 100%, it, it's definitely over 95. That game was ridiculous. Well, they, let, me, let me, before you get into it, look, of the yeah. 57 
111 people that are listed on ESPN uh, as being at the game. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you 10,000 people will say they were at that one yeah. <laughs> and they didn't leave. So yeah. I don't know what you saw. Nobody left that game early. They were all there until the end. And in fact, probably 5,000 more people were in there that you just mm-hmm. didn't account for. That's just right. how those things go. I gotcha. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a sellout. 5711 is the, the number now. Uh, that doesn't mean that that's exactly how many people were in there. Uh, you've got a lot of administrators and things that don't take up seats and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say it got really, really loud. And that is maybe the loudest I've heard it when we won that game. Yeah. And uh, I've been in there for bigger crowds. Uh, Look, when... the crowd pop from Cam Kerfman's three late in that game, you would have thought Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to walk <laughs> into the Cam Henderson Center because that crowd I pop think he was did. amazing. I think he did. I, th- I think <laughs> I saw him. But, uh, but no, man, talk about not giving up. We went into uh, one of the hardest presses I have ever seen at the end of that game. And that's the only way you can do it. You can't just let a man bound it and run time yeah. off the clock. Yeah. But uh, that game was uh, foul after foul after foul on both teams. They had their three guards all fouled out. So that meant at the end of the game, they had bench players and forwards, and that was it, to try to go up against this press. And they made turn after turnover after turnover after turnover and we still had to capitalize on those turnovers and get points and we got them in a big way um one we were down 79 to 75 uh if that doesn't tell you we had already scored you know 79 to 68 we had scored seven in a row and then uh kerfman inbounds the ball off of a long time out and nobody was guarding him so he inbounded the ball. Taylor, I think, threw it right back to him. Kerfman hits that three, 79 to 78. I mean, how do you not put somebody on that guy? <laughs> you know, you just like, don't know the, the big picture. You just he, 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 he was good from where he was taking the ball out. Yeah. That it was just an illegal shot. So he they had to find a way to get him over the line. Is all he, I mean, he was one foot over the line. He just they threw it right back to him. Boom. <laughs> I mean, Bob Boland was, he was announcing it and he, he called it right away. He said, well, they're not going to be able to leave anybody open for a three. And as soon as he threw the ball in, he called it. He was like, well, they left Kerfman open. And (laughs) he was like, boom, three, nothing but net. Anyway, we, we come back, we win 84 to 83. Massive, massive game. Um, I just, I cannot say enough. But one thing, and I put this on on Twitter, one thing, you know, I like that plus and minus stat in mm-hmm. basketball, which tells you what your team did, either positive or negative in the scoring department while you were on the floor. They had a player who played one official minute, and I think it was more like a minute 42 or something like that, minute 28. He had four points, which was all four of their their points after they were up 79 to 68. He had a plus minus of negative nine. <laughs> One minute, four points, negative nine. <laughs> so we outscored him by by thirteen while he was he was there, and then he got, uh, or we scored thirteen while he was on the court, and he got four points. Yeah, in, in a minute. He's like, guys, feed me the ball. Huh? Yeah, I'm a well, scoring machine. He he had a uh, dunk off of a um, yeah. 
uh, off of off the uh, press when no one was back when they got to lob it over top of them on what I thought they gave the the inbounder six or seven seconds to throw it in. I went back and looked and I tried to count with the ref and I don't know what he was counting, but those weren't seconds to me. I mean, it seemed like he had the ball out there for 10 seconds. And finally, you know, they just lobbed it over and it just happened to be over top of everybody's head. He got a dunk and he got two foul shots. That's how they scored their four points after being up by 11. So let's, let's talk about some of the, the stats from the game. Um, Tavion Kenzie and Andy Taylor had massive games 53 of the herds 84 total points taylor leads the way with 28 of those points kenzie has 25 in that one we talked about the rebounding disparity and that continued a little bit in this game it, it now it seems like if the herd only goes minus 10 that's about average and they were in this one minus 10 40 rebounds for georgia southern just 30 for the herd but just did not matter uh, everybody that got into the game for the herd put points on the board. Nobody was held scoreless that entered the game for the herd. Um, everybody else just kind of chipped in, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, Ob- Obana, Cam Kerfman had six. Han Logden had seven with six boards. And then uh, Miladinovich, Connor both had five, and Wyatt Frisch chipped in with a bucket. And they needed every last damn point, obviously. Yeah. Every last damn point. And I think the one, the thing that sealed it was, of course, you get into foul trouble, you lose all of your ball handling guards. You get, you have to trust a player who's not normally used to being in those positions in a very critical position. And he turns the ball over yeah. with six seconds left. And Marshall just kind of squirrels away the victory and the, cra- and the Henderson Center crowd goes wild. And the rest <laughs> is history. So that game, too, Han Lockton and uh, Obina were both in foul trouble early and had to come out, and that's when we just started getting beaten down on the boards, uh, in the paint, that sort of thing. Uh, it it just it was not our night early. And I commented to a friend of ours that said they need to put Gorin in, you know, because uh, we were putting in Connor and Fricks, but these guys were just so big. And Gorin came in, and he was that big body to at least just slow him down. Gorin can also shoot, and he ended up when Jacob Connor got uh, got hurt on a on a foul. He he got the uh, got to shoot for Connor and made a clutch free throw. He had a clutch block. He had some clutch rebounds. Is he our starter now? No, he's not. But he's been in these games. He's got good touch uh, on his shooting, and it's hard to duplicate putting in someone that's around seven one and as bulky as he is compared to what you know Han Logden, who is a true freshman. Mm-hmm. You know he's he's probably got him by thirty five pounds or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just a great, great way, and we ended up we were down uh, eleven deficient on our free throws, and then that stretch we made seven out of seven down the stretch and without all seven of those you don't win that game no you don't win that game it's all the things not all the things but some of the things that usually go wrong Mm -hmm. the herd came up in crunch time and were able to you put all of those things together and make enough plays and it equaled out to a a game that marshall's going to talk about for a long time marshall fans will talk about that game for a long time because it was the you know the first part of a bookend series final home stretch at home that ended just last night with senior night against Troy and Marshall gets an 88 to 78 victory. And it seemed like 
Marshall should have been in control of that game more. But mm-hmm. Troy had some uh, some players that Marshall just really didn't have that much of an answer for, uh, particularly Nelson Phillips. He was tearing it up for uh, the Trojans. He had 22 last night, and, and they took him out of the game with like three fouls or something like that for something like four minutes of game time. And that one really turned the tides for the Trojans. I think I would have probably risked leaving him in to pick up another foul to see if I could have kept it a little bit closer, but they didn't. And ultimately uh, it allowed Marshall to just maintain a lead for the bulk of the second half. They maintained an eight, nine point lead for roughly six, seven, eight minutes of game time. Yeah. And too much time just got squirreled away, and Troy was never able to do what they needed to do with that shortened amount of time left with that big of a lead. But let's not gloss over this. Marshall wanted that one. It was important that they won that they win that one, and they went out and, uh, you know, I won't say dominated, but, man, they put on a show for the Herd yeah. fans. Um, yeah, they, they were up by 12, and then it would go down to six, and then they would get back up by 11. And toward the end of the game, they were only up by four. You know, it got down to four. But, I mean, they just – it seemed like this game was never really in doubt. Even being down, I mean, only right. up by four late, it just seemed like they were in control. Yeah, and it was little things. Let me tell you about this one thing that stuck out to my mind that, you know, it was a really potential momentum swinging play. Troy gets a big dunk, and they don't get back on defense, and two quick passes later, and we throw one right back down. Yeah. And that just nullifies any type of momentum yeah. that might have been built from that, and it just swings it all right back to the Cam Henderson Center crowd right? and, and gets them all on their feet again. Yeah thwarting any type of momentum swing immediately. Uh, it, it was just a, it was a really great all around game. Marshall had four players in double digits. Han Lawton was the only starter, not in double digits. And he chipped in with seven points and 10 rebounds. Um, Andy Taylor again, leads the way for the herd 27 points. Kenzie has 22 and uh, Kerfman and Obana, um have 15 apiece. Wyatt uh, Wyatt Fricks and Mila Dinovich both get in the game, do not score, but they they uh, Fricks only has three minutes in the game. Jacob Connor comes in, gets a bucket, but this was all about those starting five. And Bob Boland had an excellent point in the broadcast. I was watching the broadcast, and I can't remember the point totals, the stats. He was talking about the herds getting um, dominated in bench scoring, and I can see that because just a quick addition is thirty three points to two points. Mm-hmm. on bench scoring was the disparity. He said, well, that doesn't mean anything to me because all that says is that my starters are outscoring your starters like whatever the huge point disparity yeah. is in that fashion. And I thought, you know, I never really thought about that. But that's exactly what's happening. Marshall just had left no doubt. They they won the rebounding uh, game, 40 for the herd, just 32 for Troy. They wanted this one, and they th- that's all there was to it. They wanted mm-hmm. it, and they went, they went out and executed and gave the fans two – unbelievable games at the cam henderson center to close out this basketball season it was awesome yeah senior night was uh was really big standing ovation for tavion uh but goran and and andy both got really strong uh ovations as well seeing the three of those guys and what they've meant to the program uh goran is one of those uh players that is just absolutely beloved and uh you know he does a lot not just for basketball but he plays the drums and supports the heck out of the the soccer squads Mm -hmm. and um 
he uh he's just one of those likable guys you know and you know how you say the the backup quarterback is the most popular player on the football team it's almost like now our backup center is <laughs> he's not the most popular yeah guy but he is extremely popular and anytime that he went into the game um uh, especially on uh on Thursday's game you know when he went in the the fans just lit up and he performed great man so yeah. way to way to I don't want to say close out their careers because, you know, I know Kenzie's exhausted, but due to COVID, both Goran and Andy have an extra year that they can come back. We don't know if they will, if they'll go somewhere else, if they'll just not play or if they'll, you know, come back. We don't know. But uh, you can't take away what happened on their senior night that yeah. they got to got to go out and, and get those sweet shadow box jerseys and uh, plaques that they had and everything with the roses. It was just really good night to go. Yeah, if both of those guys have an opportunity to come back, I really hope they do because we've talked many, many times about the the advantage of having two seven-footers that you can put into yeah. the game at any particular time. And Obina at six-foot-eight, you know, with a much – I don't think he's a, a bigger body, but he's a thicker body. You yeah. know, it's just not somebody you can push around down low. Having those three guys um, back would be a, a big deal. I mean, potentially looking at the fact of where your only starter that you lose is Tavion Kinsey would be pretty amazing. Now, that's a yeah. hell of a lot of talent to replace, yeah. a hell of a lot of talent to replace. But only having to replace one as opposed to Kinsey – Taylor, you know, uh, yeah. a, a big time reserve in, in Miladinovich. And we never know what happens in the portal. This is the portal era. So, you know, it, it could, this team could go from really great to a rebuilding scenario pretty quickly uh, if some guys make some decisions. So hopefully they all come back because Marshall's got something special brewing, something really special brewing. And they got some guys that, the, that they're recruiting heavily that, you know, it's hard to sit here and say they could turn into a Tavion Kinsey type player because those guys just don't grow on trees, right? I mean, you're an all-time great for a reason. But there's some star power there that they're recruiting. And if we can get a few pieces and, and augment what we're trying to do, then Marshall could be a, a sustainable force for a couple of years. There were at times uh, during these two games, I think it was yesterday only, uh, but we had both seven-footers in at the same time. And uh, that just drastically changes your, your uh, everything, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you got uh, some shot blockers in there, especially, you know, if, if you could go decide to go big, we've talked about all year long, the length when you're mm -hmm. bringing in Pricks and Connor and, and people like that, if Kerfman goes on the bench and you're bringing in Connor, you're going from five, 11 or six foot, whatever Kerfman is to six, eight almost six, nine for Connor who, who plays out on the wing and is comfortable bringing the ball down the court if he needs mm -hmm. to. Um, so, you know, just the, the length alone and, and the athleticism, uh, it's gone a long way this year. And uh, we talked about early in the five things and uh, him being gone, that kind of pushes from what we've seen Goran to be up. So you're replacing, bringing in a, a three-pointer, a, a guard kind of guy to a low post, definitely guy. But Goran can also shoot the three. Uh, he uh, 
he's comfortable from out there. He's got a really good shot. He's more of a finesse player anyway, instead of, you know, uh, uh, a big banger in there. Uh, but it's going to drastically change what we're going to look like these last two games and what we're going to look like in whatever tournaments that we end up playing in. Yeah. So I guess the last note you need to make on uh, the men's basketball team is, again, Kenzie Watch. Uh, yeah. 69 points to overtake John Elmore for number one all time. Three guaranteed games left, barring any postseason invites. So you probably feel good about saying at least four games. I would think if Marshall posts a tremendous record like we've already, they could probably get into some sort of postseason tournament with the record they have now. Mm-hmm. But uh, getting to 20, what, at four, 20, 24 True. wins, 25 wins. Uh, at some point in the tournament or making a deep run into the Sunbelt tournament or dare I say winning it. Of course, yeah. winning it's going to get you into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But, you know, even losing in a championship game might get you an NIT invite. Yeah. Uh, that would be pretty, pretty prestigious, pretty cool for this, uh, this class and this team for what they've done this year. So Kenzie watches at 69 points and we'll keep updating that as, uh, as the games, you know, get played. So yeah. we got anything else? That's it for me. Okay, I got one more note that I got to say. This is going to be my final thoughts. I don't know if any of you guys are paying attention or decided that you wanted to watch, but the XFL started again for the third time. (laughs) And uh, we've got a handful of former Herd alums on some of these XFL teams. And last night, two of them were playing. Two of them were on the same team. On the Houston Roughnecks, they were playing the Orlando Guardians last night. And former linebacker Tavante Beckett plays on that defense. And former offensive lineman Alex Millette is on that offensive line. Uh, Both of them played quite a bit last night. And in fact, Tavante Beckett notched his first career XFL interception that actually got returned for touchdown, but then called back on penalty. So the interception stood, but the touchdown did not. But just something to take note of. And if I'm not mistaken, um, former all-timer Brendan Knox running back is on one of those rosters. I'm not sure which one it is. I want to say Seattle, but I'm not sure. I tried to look at the rosters earlier, but I just I just didn't have time before we started recording. But those three guys I know for sure are on XFL rosters. So if you need an XFL team to cheer for, pick one of them and root yeah. for them. Might as well cheer for our guys. But anyway, that's all I've got. Uh, if you don't have anything, takes out of here. I do have something, and it's on a somber note, but uh, previous guest and longtime friend of the Thundercast, Stephen P. New, uh, who a lot of people know as a booster uh, for Marshall, uh, his uh, mother passed away after a bout with a long illness, and uh, just from us at the Thundercast, we want to send out our sincerest condolences to Steve. Um our thoughts and our prayers have been with you and the entire family. Uh, if anyone is familiar with that episode, he was on here. They'll know that uh, we grew up in the same small town in Southern West Virginia and Gilbert, West Virginia. And uh, I've known Steve and his family and including his mother uh, for pretty much my entire life. So uh, heartfelt condolences to, to them. And uh the funeral is today and I wasn't able to get down there, but, uh, just really want to, to put out, you know, our condolences to the entire new family. Yeah. I would echo those sentiments. I don't know them nearly as uh, intimately as you do, but in conversations with Steve, he's a great fella. I feel like uh, we are cut kind of from the same cloth. 
So um, all the positive vibes I can send from Tampa, Florida, all the way up to West Virginia are coming that way. Uh, one hell of a guy, hell of a, hell of a herd fan, um, a hell of a, just a hell of a guy in general. So you always hate it when bad things happen to good people. So um, we're here for you, brother. Uh, go herd always. And we love you. Russ takes out of here. All right. Whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the uh, Joan, whether you see us hopefully with you guys around uh, March 3rd uh, for baseball and softball over at the dot and up on route two, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying go herd. <laughs> go herd. It's the Thundercast. Hashtag CE, TC Chalkboard. We'll see you next week. Later.